Hi, this is Paul Sachs. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Open Forum Infectious Diseases, and welcome to our latest OFID podcast. And by the way, it is specifically OFID and not OFID. It's important that you know that. So with me today is fellow ID colleague and longtime friend, Dr. Raphael Rafi Landowitz. He's Associate Professor of Medicine at UCLA. He's in the Division of Infectious Diseases there, and he is an avid fan of Broadway musicals, Diet Pepsi, and his two drugs, Tyson and Schroeder. Rafi, welcome. Thanks, Paul. And Tyson and Schroeder send their greetings to your dog, Louie. Uh, he would send them back if you were here. Thanks very much. Um, so, so how are things in sunny Los Angeles? I'm asking you because it is now early April in Boston, and it is snowing heavily. Just tell me so I can feel terrible. Well, I'll take your snowing heavily the first week in April in Boston and raise you a 5.3 magnitude earthquake that we had yesterday. <laughs> so pick your natural disaster poison. Yes, my friend who was living in Los Angeles during the big earthquake in the 1980s and then moved to the East Coast afterwards, he said, well, I learned that the bad weather on the East Coast, I can just go inside. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rafi, today we're going to do another infectious disease draft. And this one is going to have a special twist. We're going to draft expired brand names of ID drugs, starting with our five favorites. And here are the rules. First, they have to be available as generic drugs now. They have to be no longer on patent. Second, they have to be an ID drug. So it can be antibiotic, antifungal, antiviral, antiparasitic. Third, you have to know the generic name. That's very important. So if you don't say the right generic name, you lose that pick. And fourth, you have to provide an explanation for why you chose it. Are the rules pretty clear? I think they're pretty clear. Good. So as you know, uh, Rafi, I kind of am the uh, brand name police. I often correct ID fellows, residents, and medical students if they ever use a brand name. But I think in this case, we're going to make fun of the brand names. And plus, by choosing generic products, I think we'll be on safe legal ground. Are you willing to take that risk with me? I think that's fine. And I look forward to it. Okay. So since you're, again, choosing to spend your beautiful sunny afternoon in earthquake-ruined Los Angeles with me, <laughs> uh, I am going to let you choose first. Okay. Thanks, Paul. I have a little bit of unusual first pick. I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I do. Sulanta. You're thinking to yourself, what on earth is Sulanta? I would say very much. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the cream brand name for ivermectin. It's almost like Zoolander um, <laughs> got uh, scabies and needed systemic therapy. So I found that brand name so absurdly pop culture ridiculous that I immediately fell in love with it. And I also take every opportunity to use ivermectin that I can, because I think antiparasitics in general are underappreciated and underutilized, except, of course, in patients who have delusional parasitosis mm. when they're the bane of everyone's existence. So that's my number one pick, because I defy you, Paul Sachs, to find a funnier, goofier, or more absurd name than Sulanta. Well, you know, I could have chosen something that is funnier than that, but its name has changed there is a drug that's not really an anti-infective that was approved and still is approved for HIV-related diarrhea called crofelimer. And crofelimer had the brand name of Fullyzac. <laughs> I kid but you not. You can't even say that with a straight face, can you? No, but in fact, my sister, who is a wizard with drawing, I sent her 
a charge. I said, please draw me a picture of a fully Zach. And she sent back this sort of <laughs> creature-looking thing. It's actually very evocative. Okay, well, Sulanta, topical ivermectin, very interesting choice. I'm going to go very different approach with my first choice. I'm going to choose something very mundane. And I'm going to choose ZPAC, which, of course, is the brand name of six pills of azithromycin given in a specific way, two pills on day one, and then one pill on days two through five. This was a transformative way of prescribing antimicrobials when it came out, and it really caught both patients and providers by a storm, and they were swept up in this enthusiasm for this z packness and the sort of small number of pills. You can get a full course and a short course. It really was remarkable. In fact, there are patients who still ask for a Z-Pack, even though, of course, uh, zithromycin is long off patent, and we certainly don't think very highly of the drug anymore because of so much resistance. So whoever is the marketing genius who came up with the Z-Pack, my hat's off to you. You deserve the billions that you made when you came up with that. I agree that it is marketing genius, but I don't find the name Z-Pack all that exciting. I think you're more (laughs) enamored by the concept than the actual name. So I'm going to take issue there. You're allowed to disagree with me. That's one of the rules. In fact, a little bit of this back and forth banter is exactly what we find so entertaining on this OFID podcast. And it is, remember, OFID and not OFID. (laughs) Well, see, I knew that, Paul, because no one pronounces CID kid or JID jid. So, of course, it would be OFID and not OFID. See, I knew that. So just to defend ZPAC for one more moment before we go on. I hear it treats viruses, by the way. Is that true? (laughs) I would hope so, because, you know, as you could tell from my voice, I have a bit of an upper respiratory tract infection. And of course, I'm on a pack right now. <laughs> Maybe it has new and exciting properties that expand beyond antibacterial activity now that it's become generic. Is that possible? Yeah. It's possible. But I do want to say one other thing to defend the ZPAC. Please. It's, it's interestingness. Note that it's not Z space P-A-C-K, but it's Z P-A-K. So the C has been dropped. And if you actually go, it has its own uh, Wikipedia page. It's Z hyphen P-A-K. And if that isn't branding genius, I don't know what it is. So that's my first choice, Z-Pack. What's your second choice? Okay, my second choice is Avalox, ah. which of course is the brand name for moxifloxacin. Mm-hmm. And I like Avalox because number one, it could sound a little bit like a mythical creature, but also <laughs> it reminds me of my childhood growing up in New York City where bagels and locks was, you know, my favorite Sunday morning treat. Um, and so whenever I think about Avalox, I immediately go to a happy place with a nice, fresh, plain, not toasted bagel sliced down the middle with some Nova locks and tomato, but no cream cheese. So for me, I find prescribing moxifloxacin puts me in a happy place, even if it makes your QT prolong, makes your tendons rupture, makes you dysglycemic, and may have important neuropsychiatric black box consequences, as do many quinolones. Well, moxifloxacin, and it's interesting you chose Avalox, is kind of the forgotten quinolone of the trio. You know, you've got ciprofloxacin, which hint, I might be coming too soon, which everybody knows has that nice gram-negative activity, and you've got levofloxacin, which is the respiratory tract, and then you've got 
Tamoxifloxacin, which arguably should have been a more popular antibiotic, but never really caught on. It was always the antibiotic that people had to use because of some payer decision. I hadn't really thought about it in relation to smoked salmon. I think that's the first time I've thought of it that way. Uh, I will take issue with how you eat your smoked salmon. I prefer it with cream cheese, with a toasted bagel, and also I like capers. Capers are absolutely critical. See, that's fascinating because, number one, you are an ectomorph and can get away with eating cream cheese, and I am an endomorph and cannot, so I understand your choice there. I Maybe given different body chemistry, I might enjoy cream cheese as well, but I find capers scary. You know, capers are actually flower buds. You're eating pickled flower buds, and I find that just frankly creepy. But hey, many people enjoy them, so perhaps I should keep that opinion to myself. But... Personally, I also enjoy moxifloxacin's expanded anaerobic coverage. Um, mm-hmm. That makes me happy because when one holds one's breath, then it has advantages. Yeah, it does. I'm glad we still have it. Really, we're down to those three quinolones. You know, the others have all fallen by the wayside, either yanked by the FDA because of safety issues or just basically not available. Yeah, my liver is happy that the others got yanked. Yeah. So I'm moving on now to a classic brand name, one that will probably never die, and that's Bactrim, or trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole. And you really knew that when this marketing team got together, they had to come up with something because trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole just takes too long to say. It's actually hard to say. So whatever they chose was going to win. And it ended up with two different brand names, one of them Bactrim and one of them Septra. And in my mind, Bactrim is far superior Bactrim has the B-A-C-T at the beginning, which is like bacteria. And then at the end, you've got trim, which sounds a little bit like trimethoprim. Together, Bactrim sounds like such an appropriate name for an antibiotic. It really is never going to die. However, I have learned from our mutual friend and colleague, Rebecca Plank, that there are devotees of Septra on the West Coast, in particular in San Francisco. Indeed. They happen to be wrong because Bactrim is far superior to Septra. And indeed, on my blog, I actually put a poll up once, kind of joking, what do you call trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole? The overwhelming winner was Bactrim with, I think, 63% of the vote. And Septra got a meager 9%. And then a whole slew of people voted for something called cotrimoxazole, which I've noticed is an international favorite. Well, I was going to ask you, Paul, what was your breakdown of where your respondents were from in that poll? Because globally, it's overwhelmingly called cotrimoxazole. It is. And if you look at the poll answers, they very much mirror the readers of my blog. I would say approximately (laughs) 60%, 70% are in the United States and the rest are all over the place. But I'm going to stick with Bactrim. I think it's a great brand name. I personally get around the problem of saying brand names when I'm on rounds or I'm talking to other IT doctors by saying trim sulfa. You know, that's just three syllables. Very easy to say. Uh, I think it's much easier to say than T-M-X-S-M-Z. And it's also easier to say than cotrimoxazole. So Bactrim choice number two. I like that. It's classic. It's elegant. It's like a fine wine. Um, (laughs) I would applaud that choice. It's so multi-purpose, isn't it? It's life-saving in its prophylactic capacity. It treats so many different infections. And one of its few liabilities is so many people are allergic to it. Yep, exactly. Choice number three, Rafi Landovitz. Okay. I'm going to go with something that may surprise you, Paul. I'm going to go with Truvada. 
and huh. I'm going to say that you're going to be surprised. surprised. Um, number one, because it's not that weird. And number two, it's only recently become available as a generic. So it's only recently achieved eligibility for discussion and consideration into election into this draft. No, I would say it's so recent that it really defines how cutting edge this draft is. Oh, wow. Look at that. Are you saying that we're au courant? I'm saying that your choice of Truvada shows just how cutting edge this draft is, and we should be very proud of that fact. Excellent. Well, the reason I chose it is I think the name is cutesy. I like the name. It makes me think of True Value Hardware, which I don't even know if it's still in business. But as a kid, you think of stability. You will go there. It's your go-to, multi-purpose you know, place when you need any sort of hardware activity. I, I've always been bemused and amused in seeing Truvada. But even more than the name, Truvada tickles me because not only, of course, is it part of HIV treatment regimens, um, of course, not enough by itself to treat HIV, but it's really risen to extraordinary prominence for its role in prevention as part of pre-exposure prophylaxis and its potency and its relative safety and its ability to transform the epidemic has endeared it further in my heart. And while the name perhaps only barely makes the grade for a cutesy brand name, although it clearly has special meaning to me. I think its prominence and its utility and its pluripotency really made it onto my list for those reasons. Well, I can certainly understand why you would choose it. And I I also would say that you have not followed all the rules. How so? I have not heard what the generic name is for Truvada. Oh, goodness, Paul. Does that mean that you think <laughs> I don't know it? Would you like me to say it? That it's off of your disoproxyl fumarate with emtricitabine in a fixed-dose combination. Thank you very much. You had to play by the rules. That's very important. I, I didn't realize that saying it was part of the rule. I thought one had to know it. But I guess that's confirmation of knowing it, isn't it? You could lose a draft slot by doing that. So uh, you're lucky that I told you. So you gave me a buy there, didn't you? Isn't, exactly. it, isn't that what you sports people call it? No, I basically didn't challenge the play. Uh, I could have challenged it, but I didn't. All I right. never understood hockey. Okay. <laughs> So Truvada, interesting choice. I think it's a good one. I'm going to move on now. I'm going to cover this one very, very briefly because we've already talked about this class. But I'm going to go with Cipro for ciprofloxacin. Oh, sorry. I just yawned. I'm sorry. (laughs) I think that if you are a pharmaceutical company and you come up with this blockbuster drug, the first fluoroquinolone, And you are saying, look, this is going to be huge. We have, back then at least, a drug that covers gram-negatives, gram-positives. Back then, it even covered Staph aureus very well, believe it or not. And then you hire this big branding company. Maybe you go to one of the big ones, like the Brand Institute, and you say, come up with a name for our drug ciprofloxacin. And you write the big check for that company, and you wait with bated breath, and then they come back, and it's Cipro. That's it. It's something so beautifully elegant, basically chopping off the end of the word. And that's the brand. And I think what they did, if I had to go into the boardrooms of that company, is they said, look, everyone's calling it Cipro anyway. So let's just go with that. So that's my choice, Cipro. That's fantastic. (laughs) Um, I, I do have to share with you the ubiquity of knowledge about Ciprofloxacin in that my husband makes fun of me the way I answer calls in the middle of the night when I'm on call and I get paged. And he basically has summarized his entire medical lexicon into two things. He says, push two of epi 
and give Cipro. And that's the entirety of his medical knowledge. He's ready to graduate. He thinks he could do my job, and he probably could. Okay, choice four, Rafi. Okay, choice four is Tamiflu. Ah. Because I think that would be Tammy Faye Baker's uh, choice to treat her viral respiratory infection. I just think it's such a goofy name. Of course, it's the brand name of Oseltamivir, which has really transformed the way we think about influenza illness and is a great drug, generally well tolerated. Of course, that's challenges um, in regular influenza, uh, if there is such a thing, of administering it fast enough or early enough in the course of infection to actually have data-driven shortening of the illness. But of course, I think we've all seen cases where it's abrogated or aborted what could have been a life-threatening or extremely severe influenza episode. Yeah. So it's an adorable name that also conjures things like My Little Pony. I mean, couldn't you see Cabbage Patch Kids, My Little Pony, Betsy Wetsy, all need Tamiflu. It's that sort of cutesy-wootsy little name. And I think whoever came up with it also was a marketing genius because clearly Ossel Tamivir, or to go by your analogy with Cipro, Ossel just doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? Maybe as a conoscenti of Cipro, you would enjoy calling it Ossel, but you can tell me. I don't think I would have chosen Ocel. I might have chosen Ocelt. No, I'm just kidding. I think that Tamiflu <laughs> is a very good brand name. I will challenge a little bit the efficacy information. I think you're probably aware there's a Cochrane review of the efficacy of Oseltamivir or Tamiflu for treatment of influenza. And there are some real doubters out there. I'm not one of them. I think when you look at all the randomized studies lined up, you see that the point estimates all seem to favor the intervention. But it's not a home run. It's not so obvious that this works, that therefore uh, everyone thinks it's standard of care to give it. I do give it, and I do think it works, but there are some doubters out there. I agree with you, Paul, but I think considering the increased focus we have on the likelihood of another flu pandemic, it's rising in importance. And uh, I think awareness about Flu and also anti-vax skeptics are bringing the utility of these antiviral drugs ever more prominently into our daily discussion. So I think it's a particularly important agent to have in our armamentarium in 2018. All right. Fair point. Let me go on to my fourth choice. And it's okay. going to be one from way, way out there. And it's, it's going to be uh, Pegasus which is um, <laughs> pegylated interferon alpha 2A. And now remember back in the bad old days, treatment of hepatitis C was an absolute nightmare. And it was a nightmare mostly because of this interferon therapy. The side effects of interferon were terrible. It was a shot given three times a week. And then along come these pegylated forms, which can be given once a week. And the whole idea was that this was a more user-friendly way of administering interferon which of course turned out to be nonsense. The side effects were just as bad. You had to take a shot twice a week less often. That was it. You know, otherwise the same things, the fatigue, the flu-like symptoms, the depression, the joint aches. But by calling it Pegasus, the mythical winged stallion of Greek mythology, you made it seem somehow 
better and safer and swifter. And swift really is the exact opposite of treatment of hepatitis C, which used <laughs> to take about a year. So I think Pegasus was a genius name. Of course, treatment of hepatitis C has nothing to do with horses or wing stallions or My Little Pony. I think that's what you mentioned earlier. I realized that no one ever uses this drug anymore, which is probably a good thing. I realized that it's going to be forgotten very soon, but I wanted it to be remembered. So that's why I'm choosing it as my fourth choice. I think that's an outstanding choice. And I actually, I had not thought of that one, but it is one of my favorites for exactly the reasons you described. Anything that's a winged mythical creature, how can you not love it? And um, considering what a horrible um, drug it is from a side effect profile, it's even more amusing that it has such a benign, sweet, wonderful name, and it's such a nasty drug. Yep. Well, thank you for agreeing. I make up a little bit for the choice of Cipro. <laughs> you did. You definitely <laughs> redeemed yourself a little bit there. So I get one more, don't I? Yeah, choice number five. This will be it. Then you choose your least favorite. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. So my number five, I'm going to choose Vibromycin, huh. which of course is a little known brand name of doxycycline. And I'm choosing it because I think it's an absurd name for as wonderful a drug as doxy is. If we were just doing an antibiotic draft, as you have done in the past with Rebecca Plank, I would have been completely with her to first draft doxycycline. It's my favorite antibiotic. Oh, yeah. So much good stuff, not only activity against microbes, but it's anti-inflammatory components. It, doxy really is good for what ails you. As you know, we love to say on Infectious Disease Service, besides, how can you not love something that treats rickettsia and Lyme disease and Q fever? It's a special agent. Oh, yeah. It was going to be my first of choice, course. obviously. I mean, the latest thing on doxycycline, I don't know if you've heard, is that the data strongly suggests that it's not just a low-risk C. diff drug, but it protects against C. diff, which is pretty amazing. Well, that's fascinating. It does seem like things that treat C. diff and protect against C. diff end up in subsequent studies being shown to cause C. diff. So it'll be interesting to see if that stands up, but I hadn't seen those data. That's exciting. So fibromycin is a very novel choice. You chose it really not because of the brand name, but because you like doxycycline and wanted to put in another plug for that drug, right? It is true I did, but you have to admit, fibromycin, right? Doesn't it sound like an instrument that you might play in fourth grade music class? Right, one of those xylophone-like things that you would have mallets that had flannel fuzz covering the heads and completely tone-deaf and musically inept school children would bang on it in an attempt to fulfill their music requirement in, in, in public schools. This is what it conjures for me. So, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, your son Jerry cannot play the recorder, so he's going to play the vibromycin. Exactly. Exactly. And the good news is when this happens in the Northeast United States, they will not get Lyme disease. Great. Good fifth choice. Thank you. If only for the drug, maybe not the name. All right. Oh, come on. My fifth choice, I'm going to go with something that I can't get enough of, and that's the name Flagyl. And <laughs> Flagyl is the name, of course, of metronidazole. The reason I can't get enough of it is, first of all, some bacteria have flagella, right? So maybe they chose it for that reason. And yeah. second of all, the fact that I know this couple, and I've mentioned them many times, but I'm going to mention them again. They're going to be famous. He's a gastroenterologist, and she's an ID doctor, and they got a bird, and they named it Flagel. <laughs> <laughs> they did not, really? Yes. And ever since I heard that, <laughs> I can't resist. Why did they name the bird Flagel? Well, it sounds like a bird, doesn't it? 
<laughs> I don't know. I, that, I have to say that wouldn't have been something that would have occurred to me. Well, you walk into their house and there's a birdcage and a parakeet there and they say, yes, this is our parakeet flagell. Um, <laughs> see, just to me, it sounds like a bird. So I'm going to go with flagell. I mentioned that anecdote before in the other draft and I mentioned before just how remarkable it is that we can still use the same drug for anaerobic infections we've been using for decades with hardly any resistance. And it's also very effective. It's one of those drug names, you know, a lot like Bactrim, a lot like one we didn't mention, which is Osin, which people just can't get away from, even though now it's available generically and has been for years. So that's my yeah. last choice. I really like that, although I don't know that I would have said it sounds like a bird. Uh, I would have gone up to the bird and say, Polly wants some metronidazole. But I do think that's a hilarious anecdote, and I didn't remember that from your previous draft. So thanks for sharing to your audience who has heard that before. I get the feeling that's a story that you could never hear enough times. I can never get enough of it. I think I've written that anecdote on my blog at least three times. <laughs> I, I, will, I will share with you that I have a friend who's a urologist who named his golden doodle Foley, which um, <laughs> perhaps only rivals in merrymaking the name of Flagel for a parakeet. That's, that's pretty spectacular. You know, if I were to poll about 10 doctors and say, does Flagel sound like a bird name? I think a good chance seven or eight of them would say, yes, it does. Will you try that? Would you, do me, would you put that on your blog, please? Because I'd <laughs> like to know. I, I disagree with you. All right. So last but not least, we need to hear your least favorite brand name. I'm going to again let you go first since I'm being extremely kind. But the snow is intensified outside here in early April in Boston. I'm feeling sorry for myself, so I need to, need to hear something entertaining. What is your least favorite brand name for an anti-infective? I'll be happy to tell you, but Paul, first, I have a very important question for you. Sure. Paul, do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> All the 12-year-old girls who are listening to this podcast just squealed. I just want you to know that. I have no idea what that's referring to. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. It's from Frozen, the Disney movie. Yeah, of course. As you okay. know, I'm married to a pediatrician. She knows all this stuff. Okay. So, Carolyn, um, please laugh for me there. Thank you. Okay. My least favorite brand name, and I think you're going to be amused by my choice, is Geocillin. Uh, and you're thinking, excuse me, what? No, I know what geocillin is. Yeah, geocillin is the brand name of the now discontinued beta-lactam carbenicillin, mm -hmm. which has a very special place in my heart. Number one, because of its ridiculous brand name, geocillin. It's supposed to be global worldwide. It you know, manifests destiny and is going to take over the world and cure infections worldwide. It's one of the least used, smallest utility niche antibiotics ever created, and that's why it's no longer made. But it did have a moment in the sun when it was still made, and you were really looking for something that you could use orally to treat ESBL, gram-negative urinary tract infections. And you could put geocillin together with clavulanate and create essentially geomentin, if there is such a thing that we just made up, and uh, not require someone to have parenteral therapy. Uh, of course, now it's no longer available, so you can't do that anymore. But it had a moment where you could be the hero in a story when a primary care doctor would call you and say, I have this terrible bug and it's got these susceptibilities and, and is there anything we can do orally? And you would say, well, I have a creative solution for you, but no longer. Yeah. Geocillin also, importantly, had activity against Pseudomonas aeruginosa, which is 
outside of the fluoroquinolone drug yes. class, there really is no oral option for Pseudomonas aeruginosa. And so when they stopped making carbenicillin, it was kind of like, oh no, now what do I do? But I totally agree. It was sometimes a savior. Yeah. As far as whether the name is truly terrible or not, I'm going to tell you my least favorite name, which is far worse than yours. And that is... I know what you're going to say. That is the HIV antiretroviral drug zalcitabine, which was called HIVID. H-I-V-I-D. And all I can think of is our patients who say, you know, I really feel very stigmatized by having HIV drugs around my house and I try to hide them. Some of them won't even keep them in the same medicine cabinet or keep them totally separate. But if you were taking a medication for HIV and you wanted somehow that to be a secret, if you had a medicine called HIVID, it wouldn't really work. Now, part of my dislike of HIVID, of course, is that the drug zalcitabine was an absolute dog. It wasn't very effective. It had a lot of neuropathy. And it's actually just like geocillin gone from our prescribing abilities, which is a good thing. So, so long HIVID, so long geocillin. Of those two, uh, if I had to get one of them back today, I would most definitely prefer to have carbenicillin back. What do you think? I agree with you, but I'm giggling because, of course, for anyone who doesn't know, I trained under Paul during my infectious disease fellowship. Paul was similarly offended by the name Hivid back in the day. And so that is not at all a surprise to me that that is your least favorite brand name. I'd never seen you so riled up about a drug name as when the topic of DDC or Zalcitabine or Hivid came up. It amuses me no end. Yes, I was practically apoplectic when the drug came out. I was like, you got to be kidding me. You're not calling it Hivid. So, okay, Rafi, we've covered a lot of territory on this draft. I want to thank you very much for joining me on this snowy afternoon, at least snowy here in Boston. I've been talking with my fellow ID colleague and longtime friend, Dr. Rafi Landovitz, associate professor at UCLA, and we have been drafting expired brand names of anti-infective agents. Thank you so much for joining me, Rafi. Thanks, Paul. Stay warm. And thanks for listening.